Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. WITF and the Harrisburg Regional Chamber and Capital Region Economic Development Corporation are teaming up to present a series of candidate debates before Pennsylvania's April 26th primary election. Today, we host the four Republican candidates running for the state Senate in the 31st District. The 31st District encompasses parts of Cumberland and York counties. Joining us are Bryce Arndt, Scott Harper, Mike Regan, and John Ritchie. And we'll introduce you to the candidates in just a moment. Now, this debate will follow Smart Talk's normal conversational format. Two exceptions, though. The candidates will get 30 seconds to introduce themselves and then 60 seconds each for closing statements. We won't be taking phone calls during the program. WITF's election 2016 coverage is supported by the Harrisburg Law Office of Saul Ewing, LLP. So let's introduce you to the candidates and give them 30 seconds to talk a little bit about themselves and their background. Dr. Bryce Arndt is our first candidate. Good morning, Scott. Uh, Dr. Bryce Arndt, I'm a 30-year health care provider and small business owner in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm running to uh, to be our next state senator because uh, Harrisburg needs conservative leadership, and uh, we need to return Pennsylvania back into being that national business leader that we know we should and can be. Mm-hmm. Scott Harper. Good morning, Scott Harper. I'm a local private attorney. I've lived in central Pennsylvania all my life. I was educated in Pennsylvania. Um, what do I want? I want to become a senator because I want to make life better for all Pennsylvanians, not just people in the 31st district. Um, creating jobs is great, but we also need to create a great workforce. Um, we need a quality workforce, a better educated workforce, a better trained workforce. I'd like to see more vocational schools in Pennsylvania and concentrate on having Pennsylvania be a better place to live, reside, retire, and play. Okay. Mike Regan. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Scott, for having us on. Thank you to uh, your station for conducting this thing in the, in the Harrisburg Chamber in Cretic. Um I have had the great uh, pleasure in my life to serve as a Deputy U.S. Marshal, Fugitive Task Force Commander, and the U.S. Marshal for the Middle District of Pennsylvania. Also, for the last three and a half years, have served as a state representative. I've basically dedicated my entire adult life to to service to our community. It's been a, a great way. I'm running for Senate because I can remember the days when um, housing was affordable, communities were safe, and uh, family sustaining jobs were available, and I'm really looking forward to trying to have that for our kids and our grandkids. John Ritchie. Thanks for having us today. I'm John Ritchie, and I love central Pennsylvania, and I'm worried about where we're headed as a state. I think the vision of our forefathers has been lost, government by the people and for the people. And I want to do what I can to take that back. I want to provide solid leadership. And I think leadership is not being able to say that you voted a certain way on a piece of legislation, but it's a proven track record of bringing people together, of working with people of disparate backgrounds, differing opinions, and making sure that everyone worked together toward a common goal for the common good. Thank you very much, Mr. Ritchie. All right, let's get into uh, some of the issues themselves. Uh, And really, listen to the question here, because I'm not asking really for your personal opinions as much as your observations. But Scott Harper, I'll start with you. The top one or two concerns you're hearing from people in the district. Oh, 
Definitely property tax. Uh, property taxes keep going up and up and up, and people can't afford it. Uh, there is just a published study on how people's incomes in York County has have gone down, but the housing prices have gone up, and uh, property taxes directly affect that. Um, it adds to the cost of renting, adds to the cost of your mortgage. And the older citizens in Pennsylvania, they have a rough time spending five to ten thousand dollars on property taxes when they have a limited income. All right. Well, let me interrupt you for just a moment. All right. You've identified property taxes as the issue that you hear about most often from uh, the constituents of the 31st district. So what do you support? What do you favor to try to either eliminate property taxes or to reform property taxes? I'd like to shift the property tax burden over to a sales tax, whatever the dollar for dollar uh, net gain would be on that, um, whether it be uh, applying the sales tax more broadly or adding a point to it. Any way you look at it, it's a more fair tax for people to pay as opposed to property tax. Mm-hmm. Representative Reagan? Um, I hear a lot about the heroin addiction problem. That seems to, It's kind of surprising, but that's been a constant refrain as I've gone door to door and talked to people. People are really concerned about the, uh, especially in York County, I think they're up 300 uh, percent in death rates for heroin addiction. And I think it's crossing over socioeconomic uh, boundaries where it's affecting every family, not just certain families. Well, what are they saying? They're, they want something done about it. I mean, they want, uh, they want something done um, through enforcement, through education, um, through legislation to try to, to uh, rectify the situation. It's, it is alarming. I mean, my wife and I personally know at least five families who've lost a child um, because of heroin addiction, and it's, uh, it's running rampant through certain parts of the state, and it's very alarming. Your background is in law enforcement. Yes. Uh, up until just a few years ago, any kind of drug problem that we have had as a society has been viewed as a law enforcement issue. Is heroin and opioid just a law enforcement issue? Well, I think it is when you talk about the guys who the, who are the big-time dealers, the guys who are bringing it into the country and the guys who are distributing large amounts across the border from Mexico. Uh, that's a law enforcement issue. But the addiction part of it, I mean, I don't think it does anyone any good, Scott, to put the addict in jail. I mean, we need to try to get treatment to these people so they can become productive members of society again. I mean, it's really a insidious addiction that is so difficult to, to solve. But I think they're making progress with treatment. And, you know, it's much cheaper, I think, to treat somebody than to incarcerate them. And when they come out of jail, I mean, a lot of the deaths happen when people get arrested, they're addicted, they go to jail, they're forced to go into to uh, like detox. And then they get out and they go right back to the amount of, amount of drugs they were shooting in their arm before they went to prison and they die. Um, so I think we need to focus on treatment, not incarceration. Mm-hmm. John Ritchie, the issues that I, you're hearing about. I'd like to add to that. I think it's an educational issue as well, the, the opiate uh, epidemic. You know, we need to get into our schools at, at a younger age, educate our children that drugs can kill them. That's the bottom line. The, the stigma has, has been detached from opioids and heroin in this area. That's a matter of uh, parents need to do a better job of educating their kids. I think our schools can do a better job. I'd like to create a curriculum that would allow me to speak to children in schools as early as fifth grade. But going door to door, people are upset. People are upset because they know that our pension debt, our unfunded pension debt is $60 billion, and that that drives all of our spending. That is an issue that needed to be taken care of yesterday, that needed to be taken care of when we had a Republican governor in office who would sign off on that. Pension reform is our number one priority. Another, another issue that I, I hear when I'm going door to door, as, as Scott said, is property taxes. 
our seniors who are on a fixed income, in some cases are being forced from their homes. We cannot allow this to happen. And fortunately, there is a Senate bill, Senate Bill 537, that's just been introduced. Uh, Senator Tomlinson introduced it, and it would provide for a property tax freeze for our seniors. We need to find new ways, new ideas. We need a new vision for how we can get creative in government, find the revenue to fund such a property tax freeze. And I want to be part of that solution. I want, what do you support then for the solution? Because there are only, we only have a few options. Right. Well, there, there have been ideas thrown around uh, off-track betting should uh, be able to provide some revenue in, in, in terms of that. Uh, the table games are now going into the general fund. Rather than throw, throw the, that revenue into the general fund, why don't we direct that towards subsidizing our seniors? Small games of chance as well. That's uh, the, the local clubs, the people I've talked to there, they say they've got a limit of $35,000 per week, and they give 60% of that back to the community. They are not opposed to giving 60% back. They want to remove that restriction, that $35,000 restriction. These clubs that I've talked to, they've got thousands of members, upwards of 3,000 members. They tell me that they could do $100,000 a week in small games of chance. That would be $60,000 a week going back to the but community. But our, our track record has not been good. I mean, when... Uh slots were legalized in Pennsylvania. It was for property tax relief. If you ask the average Pennsylvania taxpayer today, they'll say, what relief did we get? Uh, right. We actually had people with small games of chance that uh, had an opportunity and very few were looking to actually uh, applied to get the license to do it. Mm -hmm. So do you think that that would sp uh, supply enough income, well, again, enough these revenue? Are, these are ideas. And, and initially that casino bill was supposed to be aiding our seniors specifically. It ended up being diluted and spreading out to help everyone where we're saving 100 or 200 bucks from our property taxes. Uh, that can be a consideration. We need to redirect. If we can't get property tax reform done in the here and now, we need to find creative ways to aid our seniors on fixed incomes. Those are just a few ideas. Okay. Uh, and yes, I'm, 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 before we do that, because <laughs> everyone's going to get an opportunity to talk amongst themselves, but right. I want to make sure that uh, Dr. Arndt gets the opportunity to talk about the issues that uh, he's heard or sure. observed okay, uh, from gotcha. uh, constituents. Scott, I appreciate that. Uh, myself, I'm actually on my fourth pair of shoes. I've actually hit almost 17,000 doors over the course of this campaign. You, you need to buy a bit of shoes. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, how many, you know how many hours it takes to hit 17,000 doors? I so, I'm joking with uh, you. The point being is, is that, uh, you know, I've had a great opportunity. The things that I thought were going to be of concern on those first few, patient, or first few doors that I hit versus where I'm hearing now is, is changed, and it's enlightened me. And I think that that's really important for a candidate to be able to understand what truly the people feel and have concerns. Uh, you know, and it's already been touched on uh, by the other candidates. Pension, pension concerns are tremendous. We all realize that within four years, 10% of the annual budget is going to be tied up in, in pension obligations. We also know that this past budget did not fully uh, amortize the, the full value that needed to be put into the budget. Okay, well, um, can I stop you for just one minute? Sure. And, and this is something I can ask uh, John Ritchie as well, too. But when you're going to door door to door, I mean, pensions, not exactly a sexy issue, 
But you actually, there were constituents who said to you that, you know, we know that there was a pension crisis and that uh, it is going to end up costing us money if we don't do something about it. That was one of their priorities. Well, of course, because they understand that that really is going to be the problem, one of the cost drivers when it comes to this whole budgetary impasse. Okay. This whole budget, you know. Oh, so I don't, you, I don't you tie, doubt it. I just was, I was just budget. curious whether, you, right. you know, you heard that from Right, yeah. No, no, no. That's, I mean, we have educated voters out here, Scott. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I find that I learn as much as I share. I will tell you that. And, uh, and that's what I love. I love going door to door because that's how I become a better person, and hopefully going to be a better senator. Any uh, other issues? But, but, yeah, I mean, the big thing is I want to touch on is these cost drivers that have been continually kicked down the road for years and years. And it's been talked about whether it was a Republican government, uh, Repub- a Republican governor or a Democratic governor. These cost drivers have continually been kicked down the road, whether we're talking about prevailing wage, stopping prevailing wage, uh, paycheck protection, or this pension reform bill. I mean, one of the first things that we need to do is for all new state employees, it needs to be a 401k type program when it comes to pensions. For new employees? For new employees. Current employees. For, for new employees. The current employees, we have an obligation to them. They have a contract that they have signed, and we as legislators, as governors, or as government, have, have for those employees. So in no way do I want to imply that for existing employees uh, that there would be that change. We need to first stop that initial bleeding, and that initial bleeding that has been going on for for years has been every new employee that's hired continues under that old system. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. And joining us, uh, the Republican candidates for the state Senate in the 31st District, Bryce Arndt, Scott Harper, Mike Regan, and John Ritchie. The 15th District includes parts of Cumberland and York counties. We're trying to get to as many issues as we can. Uh, Many of you, there's a lot of agreement amongst the four of you on some of the major issues. And I still hope to get to a lot of those major issues. But as voters are listening to this broadcast today, uh, they probably are wondering, well, why would I vote for this guy over the other three? So I'll ask you the, th- that question as well. And I'll start with uh, Mike Regan. Why should uh, the voters vote for you over your three opponents? Well, I mean, I think it's just um, my servant's heart, number one. I've devoted my whole entire adult life to, to serving the community. Um, this isn't a new thing for me. This is something that I made a decision 30 years ago that I wanted to be a, of service to my community. It's what makes me tick. It's it's what I love. Not only that, but my three and a half years uh, in the House of Representatives where I think I've established a really good track record of voting for true Republican reforms and initiating welfare reforms and uh, protecting our kids in schools and our kids on the street, developing relationships across party lines, uh, developing relationships with leadership on both sides of the House and the Senate, um, I think has prepared me to be the senator on day one. I mean, I the day that I'm elected as senator, I will serve as the senator. There's gonna, not going to be any trying to figure out what's going on, who's who and what's what. I think that that distinct advantage of knowing that already uh, from being there, uh, I think it gives me a profound advantage. Mm-hmm. John Ritchie, what about you? Why should uh, voters cast their ballot for you over the other three? I bring a fresh insight, a new perspective that is needed in our government. I, uh, I have a new outlook, and I want to hold our legislators accountable for what they're doing, what they're not doing. Another thing that people bring up when I'm going door to door, 
they are savvy because of, in, in part, the budget impasse. People have gotten more involved. They understand what's happening because of the travesty that is the budget impasse. We still have not passed the fiscal code from last year's budget. And that's the one Pennsylvania constitutional requirement of our legislators. And in the real world, if you don't do your job, you don't get paid. You don't get a cushy pension. You don't get benefits. I don't think it's right that we don't have checks in place to prevent this from happening again moving forward. The unstable budget uh, dynamic is hindering us in so many ways. It's hurting real people. It's preventing business from coming to Pennsylvania. They don't know if state agencies will be funded or not. It's an unstable environment. That's why I want to sponsor a law that says that the governor and his staff and the legislators forfeit their pay until a budget is passed at the beginning of the fiscal year. There is accountability in government has been lost, and our forefathers intended this was to be government for the people. If it were truly for the people, they would have locked themselves in last June 30th and said, we can't leave until we hammer this out. No matter how obstinate this governor is, we need to come up with a solution for the good of the people of central Pennsylvania. And now, with that impasse, just this last week, we've had state agencies, we've had school boards up at the Capitol demanding a way to recoup the interest on the loans that they were forced to, to take out because they were not being paid because of this budget impasse. That, those, that interest will end up falling on the taxpayers. That burden it will not go away. I want to talk more about that. Representative Regan, as I told you before, we, we again, we're going to have an opportunity to talk yeah. about it. But still, before we do that, let me sure. have the other two. Okay. And then, and I'll get, kind of give you a, a tease here that uh, you'll have an opportunity to ask each other questions okay. in our next round. Sure. Okay. Uh, Dr. Bright. Dr. Arndt, sorry. Sure. Well, thanks, of course, I'm Scott. sure a lot of patients call you Dr. Bryce, don't they? Well, they, they sure do, and, and I've been called all sorts of names, so not only, <laughs> not only those two. So, uh, but for 30 years, our Senate seat has been the voice of health care in Harrisburg. And uh, myself being the only doctor health care provider in the entire Senate is a Im very important uh, uh, and necessary uh, perspective that's needed. I truly believe that we do not want lobbyists to be dictating Pennsylvania health care policy for us. Uh, secondly, myself as being a small business owner for 30 years, I know the accountability and responsibility for not only signing the front of those payroll checks for that period of time, but also being able to develop staff members, be able to have life-sustaining jobs for not only themselves, but for their families. You need to have someone that brings that perspective to Harrisburg because it is so unique. And I truly believe that that's something that's vitally needed here so that we can bring in that education process that some of these other candidates have called, talked about, bring jobs for the 21st century so we can keep our families together. We need jobs, we need quality education, and we need to be in the 21st century. Thanks. Scott Harper, 
Why are you the best candidate amongst these four? Well, like Mike Regan, I've been dedicated to public service for over 30 years uh, between my uh, community volunteerism as a Boy Scout to being a state park lifeguard for a couple years to enlisting in the Pennsylvania National Guard and serving for many years in that capacity. And then after that, being a business owner and providing hundreds of jobs to people in the central Pennsylvania area. And for over the last decade, I've been an officer of the court, you know, assistant uh, needy families and their legal concerns, um, not only in the district, but throughout central Pennsylvania. I've been dedicated to helping people all my life. Um, I'm currently a, what I'd call a professional problem solver. And uh, unlike some of my other opponents here, I'm more of a moderate Republican. I do differ on certain issues. I do believe in the legalization of recreational marijuana. I do believe in the end of the death penalty. I do believe that gay marriage is okay. Um, those are some of the things I differ on, or some of the issues I differ on from my uh, opponents here. Um, and I've been tackling government-related issues all my life. Um, as a small business owner, um, I was sued for racial discrimination and I won that case. So I've had to deal with the Human Relations Commission. I've argued in front of Workers' Compensation Commission. I've argued in every level of unemployment compensation. I've dealt with state government. I know the uh, the problems in state government. I see a lot of the waste. And that's where I, I, uh, I agree with Mike Regan. Uh, he's talked about this before, the waste in state government. There's, there's completely so much waste of spending in state government from the way they right, well, create me, their budgets. Name me something, and, name me something that uh, you would cut right now. Right now. Waste. <laughs> the Human Relations Commission. I just cut that right out. Why? <laughs> because it's not needed. It really isn't. If if you want to sue somebody for discrimination, sue them. You don't need to file a complaint with the state and have them litigate your case for you. The first thing they do when you're a business owner, they send you about 5,000 hours worth of discovery and try to bring you to your knees. And then the, a day later, they call you up and want you to settle for six figures. I'll want a complaint because somebody called it in. You know, it, it's completely ridiculous. It's completely lopsided and it's anti-business. But one of the issues, and again, I want to make sure that you guys have an opportunity to, to talk about a lot of these issues, but since you brought it up, mm -hmm. uh, Black Lives Matter movement in this country, uh, race relations in certain areas of this country, in this state, even in your district, what do we do to improve race relations? Stop dividing and conquering. Um, we create policies out there. We keep track of races. Every application you, you, uh, you apply for, everything wants to know what's your race. Let's drop that. Let's let's overlook race. Let's get beyond race and uh, stop having it be a divide and conquer issue. Um, we'll get more into that a little bit later if we have the opportunity. All right. Now I want to be give you the opportunity to ask questions of your opponent. And as you probably have noticed, I'm going kind of one by one, someone else starting uh, round first. John Rich, it's your opportunity to, to begin here. If you have an opportunity, you do have an opportunity, but if you want to take that opportunity to ask a question of one of your opponents, what would it be? This would be from Mike. Uh, you're on the pension reform task force in the House, and you talk about the importance of reforming our pension system. Why is it that you are taking two pensions, both of which are, they fall on the taxpayers? Hmm. 
can you move a little closer to certainly me? here um uh, I, I hope john's not begrudging my my u.s marshal pension i think that uh you know spending all those many years 23 years away from my family uh, being shot at by drug dealers dealing on a high level protecting witnesses protecting judges protecting uh people i you know along with my my fellow law enforcement brethren which which john has kind of um excoriated before um I think I earned that I pension. Not I, I, I deserve I have, that pension. I have uh, all and the I'm, respect I'm in the really, world. Right, I, just let I, me finish, I And I think um, you know that pension is mine. As regard to my state pension, um, you know, there's a problem in Harrisburg that if you have a footprint in SERS, you have uh, to take a state pension. I That's have asked. I have asked to be taken out of the pension system. I went to SERS, met with them personally, wrote them letters asking to be taken out of the, of the pension system, and. Um, and it's impossible. So what I've done is taken the next step. Uh, Representative Chris Dush, who finds himself in the same predicament, we have a proposed legislation to allow a window of opportunity for any state representative or a state senator, if they so decide that they want to be taken out of the, of the pension system, they can do so. So I'm proud to be part of that. I think that's going to have some energy behind it. I think that's going to get passed. So when that happens, I will gladly uh, forego my state pension. You've been shot at? I have. Well, okay. Yes. I won't get the, into that. But the yeah. truth Good about job. that is, you had the opportunity to pull your pension contribution out before you became a legislator. You did not, okay. and you signed up for the legislator's pension on the day that you took office, January first, twenty thirteen. The intent to pull out of the pension system began after the rest of the candidates announced that we were not taking a pension. I think it's transparent, and I think it's dishonest to the voter okay. that you are sure. indicating okay. this. So the reason we do not have pension reform right now is because of groups like the AFL, CIO, and the PSEA, who spent millions upon millions upon millions of dollars fighting anything that Republicans have tried to reform, like pension reform, prevailing wage reform, liquor privatization, paycheck protection, right to work, have been blocked by the very unions, liberal unions, that back John Ritchie. So if he's really serious about pension reform, then he should call upon the FFL-CIO, he should call upon the PSEA to stop blocking pension reform and all other Republican reforms that, he, that they block. I mean, they are giving him money to his campaign, they're funding his campaign, they're involved in his campaign, and trust me, I know from experience, Scott, those unions don't get involved with races, with candidates that support reform. They do not over history. And John is the only Republican out of the 12 Senate races that are going on right now, the only Republican that's backed by those two groups, the only one. I know. We'll have to wrap this up, but I, John, go ahead. They know that I want to bring people together. They know my stance on pension reform, that that is my number one priority. You can't have it both ways, John. You can't You're have it right. both ways. And they know you my stance. While we're at it, but wait, wait, Scott Harper, I want to get Scott involved, too. While we're at it, I'm supported by one public sector union. Mike is supported by three, so all of whom the people out have there opposed are too pension smart. reform. The people out there are too smart to try to compare the police unions to the AFL-CIO. Okay, go ahead, Scott. John, do you believe Pat Vance deserves a pension? Yes, she takes the state employee's <laughs> pension, not the legislator's it's pension. It's funny he agrees with her pension, but he disagrees with everyone else's. Funny. Interesting. No, I, I agree that you should have your marshal's pension. Oh, you did, I, a minute ago, you were just I criticizing my marshal's pension. No, job. I was criticizing the fact um, that you took okay. a state pension. Yeah, well. All right, we'll get on to those issues, too. Dr. Arndt, question for any of the other candidates. Uh, you know, it, it would 
be at John again. And I guess my question is, is, uh, you know, John and I had the opportunity to meet here several months back. And, you know, I think we had a great meeting and, and, you know, you're a great guy, John, uh, uh, and family. And, and I love that. I mean, you and I were the outsiders. We're the outsiders. But but then you aligned yourself with the insiders, with the power brokers. And and mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, and you know, this... Well, who are you not, talking about power brokers? Well, I think as far as when we look at the fact that, you know, as campaign managers are also lobbyists, that in, in one, one uh, second they're going to be campaign... Uh, campaigning for John and, and working with John, and then the next second they're going to turn around and, and they're also the right. lobbyists for PSEA. So what's your question? So my question is, why? Why? Why would you line yourself with power brokers when, you know, you had the opportunity and, and you're an outsider like myself? Why didn't, why didn't we run that way? First and of I all, guess let's that was address the, the outsider. Okay. The outsider point. I'm well aware now, it's been documented in the media, that members of your campaign and Mike Regan's campaign met at the Capitol, the taxpayer-paid Capitol, to try to get Scott Harper out of the race. Now you are an insider. The reason that I hired Long Nyquist to represent me is because they are good at what they do. And if you'll recall, you were begging Long Nyquist to manage your campaign just a few months before I hired them, Bryce. So it's hypocritical of you I, to criticize I had met, me. I had met with them on a couple of occasions. I will agree with that. But so I, it's I hypocritical won't say anything. to criticize me no, for hiring no, them. But I don't want to get it was too, in a learning process. Don't want to get too far process. in the weeds because this is something that, you know, I don't know whether voters are going to make their decision based on, you know, who you know, who you hired, and that kind of thing. Although we do know that this year, if you look at the presidential race, the outsider is apparently uh, is uh, leading in the presidential race. Scott Harper, if you had a question for uh, one of the other candidates, what would it be? Bryce, where did you come up with that formula for property tax reform? I went on your website, and it's like applying new math to the formula. I just don't get it. Can you explain how that would possibly help people in Pennsylvania? Well, when we talk about property tax, what I was looking at was a plan to be able to help seniors that would have so many years of uh, um, uh, having paid taxes in Pennsylvania and to use that formula to, to add that number along with what their current income was as well as what their net assets were, and then have working, working that through and coming up with some sort of relief so that the well, senior the citizens... What's the formula? Well, we're still working on that. My point is, is that just like John talks about ideas, that's an idea to be able to look at and say, you know, senior, seniors have been paying taxes property taxes for years and years, how can we allow for them to be able to keep those homes that they've had for years and years? So this is, I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I think one of the key features that I look at myself is, is that I realize that I don't have all the answers. I have some ideas. I'm willing to work with people that will be able to expand upon that and bring that in. So are you asking voters to have faith that these ideas will work for them? Well, I would ask them to be able to trust someone just as for 30 years I've had patients that have trusted me to be able to take care of their dental needs and services. Not every idea that is brought across is going to be able to stick on the wall, so to speak. And I'm looking at being able to, just as John has said, bring fresh ideas, be able to bring a perspective that's desperately needed because we know that 
you know, what's in Harrisburg right now needs some help. There's no question about that. I think people need more than just faith. I think people need to see that there's a candidate that with real ideas ideas uh, that don't want to complicate things. Bryce, under your plan, you'd need to hire a bookkeeper or an accountant or an, a tax attorney. That's not really helping anybody. And to say that, well, it's just a plan, it's just an idea, let's stick, you know, see what sticks. Voters don't want to see that. Voters want to see simplification, less taxes, less complication, less government in their life. Well, I think, you know, one of the first things that I would look about, uh, about is the fact that right now Pennsylvania has the third worst job creation rating in the entire United States at 9.9% corporate net income tax. That's what's causing many companies to leave Pennsylvania as well as not have companies come into Pennsylvania. But you know Governor Wolf proposed cutting that in half. Well, I understand that. I understand that. And that's where uh, it's a matter of working together to be able to find out how we can do that, as well as be able to bring the educational force, because you can bring all the jobs that you want here, but if you don't have the, the employees to be able to fill those jobs, and even nowadays, I've been on the Cumberland Perry Votech Board for 27 years, advisory board, I should say, and there's many people, uh, or many jobs, that just are not being filled because we have too many educated individuals that cannot match that skill set that's needed. All right. Let me move on. Representative Regan, question for one of your opponents. Uh, I mean, I guess I would just reiterate, you know, it's, um, you know, we are in, in, in the House and in the Senate currently in a, in a full-on war with uh, the people who are trying to block the initiatives we're trying to pass. I mean, pension reform is we, like when we passed Senate Bill uh, 1, there was not a single Democratic vote and that bill, not a single, not one. But is do you have a question for one of your? Yeah, I, my 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 question would be to John is like you know the very people who who were trying to block Senate Bill One and ultimately did block it because the governor vetoed it, were the same liberal unions that are backing him. I mean, it's interesting to me how you can run in a Republican primary for senator and be backed by the unions that at every step fought tooth and nail to prevent any legitimate reform. From taking place. I mean, it's such a dichotomy. It's such an incredible dichotomy that I just don't, I just completely don't get it. Jeff? It's really not a dichotomy. The teachers support me because my mother was a teacher for 30 years. The teachers don't years. vote, John. The, the union bosses in Harrisburg decide who they endorse. The teachers don't vote on that. Okay. Well, the union bosses, in quotes, in Harrisburg know that my mother was a teacher. They know that I am for education reform, not for spending more on education, for spending smart, smarter on education, and for working around these state and federal mandates that are handcuffing our teachers, preventing them from teaching our students to the best of their abilities. Well, and I, I agree with you on all those things. I agree with you exactly. on all those things. But we are on the same page with all of this. But, but your team is fighting against it. That's the problem. They do wait, not want pension my reform. Team, my team is not me. If you think that people who support my campaign affect my decision-making process, you are sorely mistaken. They don't. If you I have to fill out a questionnaire. That, if you, I will you release that your logic. questionnaire? What? Release your questionnaire that you submitted to them to be endorsed by them. Uh -huh. It would be interesting to see if you'd re release your questionnaire that you filled out to be endorsed by the labor unions so we could see that. Then if hey, you were being I didn't fill out questionnaires to be supported okay. by the labor I'm unions. I want to get on to some other issues. Gentlemen, thank you very much. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. Uh, this morning we have the candidates, the Republican candidates for the 31st State Senate District 
which makes up, uh, which is encompassed, I should say, parts of uh, Cumberland and York counties. Our uh, guest today, Bryce Arndt, Scott Harper, Mike Regan, and John Ritchie. We're going to try to uh, get to as many different issues as we can here in the last uh, 15 minutes or so. Dr. Arndt, it's your turn here. I want to go to uh, the budget situation. It's been mentioned several times. It took close to nine months to get a state budget. Uh, It's one of the core functions of state government. even though you would just be one of hundreds of legislators, what would you have done to get a budget deal done? Well, I think one of the things that I looked at was that the legislators, as well as the governor, they continue to take holidays, vacations, whatever the case may be. And in my private business for 30 years, if I didn't have a budget, if I had issues when it came to being able to identify how my growth and my revenues were going to be coming in, as well as, as uh, expenditures, I, I literally stay there until we get that accomplished. And now, so I think that it was a matter of being able to be much more aggressive in saying, we need to be able to stay here and, and hammer this thing out. So and, when you're, and, you're saying being aggressive, you as a freshman senator would go to Jake Corman, the majority leader in the Senate, and say, Senator, you guys have to stay in that room, locked in that room, till we get this done. I, I would say as a citizen, I, I still realize, I understand that uh, with leadership, um, you need to be respectful. But at the same point, the leaders need to realize that they are the employees of the people. And in this particular case, we the people were the pawns between the governor and uh and the legislators. So you now, insist. Now, but, but I would also, in my particular case, I would be looking at trying to work, and many people did, be able to work together so that as a unit, the legislators could get enough individuals together that would allow for them to be able to pass that budget in a more timely manner than, th- than what has happened. Compromise? Well, you have principles that you have to stay by. There is no way that the tax increase that Governor Wolf had proposed would I ever have advocated. There is no way about that. However, what we needed to look at was being able to look at possibly some spending issues. I mean, they never looked at spending. Governor Wolf never talked about reducing spending that I could be aware of. And I believe that there was many legislators that actually stood up on the floor and said, this is not acceptable. And to me, I think that that's a very, very important feature. My goal is not to be the star quarterback and be at the top of the uh, uh, telecast on every single day, rather be the person behind the scenes working together to be able to develop those relationships with other legislators that will be able to find common ground where you can say, you may be to the left, I may be to the right, uh, but let's figure out what we have in common and let's expand that. Let me move on. Scott Harper, what would you have done? Well, I agree with Mike Regan on this. I don't think that the delay is bad. I think putting your foot down, keeping your position, showing the brand new governor that he can't just come into town and dictate what the budget's going to be, that he needs the approval of the legislature as much as his own agreement on the uh, on the budget. So I think it was a good thing. I think that it probably won't happen again because even his own supporters, even the Democrat Party, uh, they, uh, they did not support him. So, so you're absolving Republicans in this of any blame? Uh, yeah, I think they did a good job. I think they put their foot down. I think they held the line. And I'll tell you what, as a lawyer, I've 
Yeah. I've played hardball before in negotiations, and sometimes you've got to put your foot down, stare them in the eye, and see who blinks first. Mm-hmm. And that's what they so, did. So what you're saying to me, you would have done nothing differently. No, I would have put my foot down. Um, you know, I would have shot for lower taxes because I always want to shoot for lower taxes. But sometimes you got to shoot uh, low in order to break even when somebody's shooting high. Okay. So, Representative Regan, you were actually involved in the process. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I was involved. In, you know, and I'm really proud of my colleagues, my Republican colleagues, that we we stuck, stayed together. And you know, the governor was proposing a 4.7 billion dollar tax increase. Uh, it was going to tax us from, from cradle to death. And, uh, you know, we just said no. Uh, we came to him a couple different ways, though. First, we, we, we submitted on June 30th the constitutional mandate, a balanced budget, which had no new taxes, no tax increases, pension reform and liquor reform, liquor privatization reform. And he just vetoed out of hand the entire package, which was the first political move that he, I think he made. You know, even Governor Rendell back, uh, you know, uh, not too many years ago, he wouldn't veto whole budgets. I mean, like, for, the, for instance, this budget, we agreed on like 70 plus line items with him where we were funding things at equal or more than what he was asking for. And he still vetoed the entire budget. Um, so that was him. But then we came back to him with two other budgets, which we tried to compromise with him a little bit, and he vetoed both of those uh, as well. I mean, it was just a very frustrating act of, he's like, we are raising taxes, we are not going to cut spending in any way, shape, or form, and you're going to go along with this. And but, we not only said no, we said hell no. But there was a, a framework budget, as it was called. It was a compromise budget that uh, everyone had agreed to, everyone, I should say, most had agreed to, uh, Republicans in the Senate, but yeah. your caucus walked away from that. Right. Why? Because it had tax increases in it. So is there <clears throat> any tax increase that you and your caucus would support? Well, I mean, you know, Scott, potentially, uh, but it would have to come with dollar-for-dollar reductions in spending. I mean, there was no, the governor was not willing to look anywhere to cut spending. I mean, I know for a fact that within the welfare system, um, we could cut lots of millions and millions of dollars. We could do things. Well, for instance, in in welfare fraud eradication, I know from my time as the deputy inspector general that we had welfare fraud investigators who produced uh, $70,000 total package in their salary with benefits and and their salary. They would produce $1.1 million annually each in welfare fraud. I mean, it's rampant out there. People, your hard-earned tax dollars are going to fund people in welfare who have no business being on welfare. And they cut. They were trying to cut welfare fraud investigators in the budget. So, I mean, look, there's lots of ways we can cut spending. Um, They just weren't willing at all to do any of them. And we were saying, okay, if you want to raise taxes, we got to have dollar-for-dollar reduction somewhere else. And they said, no way. John Ritchie, what about you if you were in the legislature? Well, Scott, the delay, the nine-month delay on the budget is an egregious example of our government not serving the people because now we, as taxpayers, will be forced to help recoup the interest on so the loans the that all the state John? agencies... Was it a $2.5 billion increase? Would you have agreed to that? No, I would not have agreed on tax increases, but well, why not... the only thing we were, we were arguing about was well, tax increases. Hey, why not lock yourself in a room and show some work ethic? First of all, if you ever try to lock work. the governor in a room, watch out for the state police. All right, well, again, that's why I want to pass a law, sponsor a law that says that everyone needs to be accountable. The governor and his staff and the legislators will forfeit their pay until a budget is passed. I have a strong well, The governor's worth hunch. about $100 million. Do you think he's going to miss his pay? Okay, yeah, but you, if you, his, you just if said his, a hunch. I want to follow up on I that, I have John. a strong hunch that something would have gotten done a lot earlier had the governor and his staff, who he's accountable to, hopefully, been forfeiting their pay, and the legislators as well. The, there has to be 
controls in place to prevent this from ever happening again. Well, let because, me yes, you, it is great that you held the line on taxes. Why didn't it happen earlier? John, Why let me, didn't let me it ask happen you this. in a when timely about, fashion? Because uh, we didn't have Democratic support. That's the answer to that question, John, is we didn't have Democrat support. Well, that's when why, this finally broke, when this thing finally got solved, was when Democrats started to come over to our side because they were tired of the governor's actions. Well, that's but, John, let me ask you back to this question. You have to if bring you people together. are in the Senate, what would you have done differently? I would have consolidated support for those who are in there and truly working for the people, formed a, a group of concerned legislators intent on doing what was right for the community and been the dissenting voice saying, we are not going anywhere. We have to lead by example on this. This is crucial. If we don't get this done, real people will suffer. And that's where we sit right now. You would say that to Senator Jay Corman, Absolutely. the majority leader. Would you reach across the aisle? Absolutely. Okay, let me ask that question because uh, bipartisanship, um, we live in a polarized society. You know that. Uh, Harrisburg is becoming even more partisan, it seems. We haven't reached Washington Heights yet, uh, and we don't want to. How do we keep that from happening is one question. And I don't know, this is, just give me a quick answer on, on this one. And by the way, Crystal, who's, who's up next? Is it? Is it okay. It's, I think it's Scott Harper, isn't it? Yes. Are you, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to keep track of all this. Uh, what do we do that we kind of get away from that polarization, that partisanship? Tell me a Democrat. Name me a Democrat you admire. Dale and Leach. Dalen Leach, maybe the most liberal member of the of the uh, of the Senate. That's right. Why? Oh, he's a firm supporter in SB uh, SB four or SB three. What's that? Oh, SB three, the, the, the medical mar- yeah, the medical, medical cannabis. Three, yeah. yeah, and uh, he's a good guy. Yeah, he might be liberal, but that doesn't matter to me. You know, it's about ideas. It's about who wants to do something for Pennsylvania. Um, it has nothing to do with politics. So often, special interests control the political parties, and they tell the Republicans and the Democrats what to do. Stop you for a second now, real quick, because I want to make sure that you get your sixty seconds for a closing statement. Mike Regan, a Democrat, you admire? Uh, Joe Petrarca. Um, the uh, the uh, Democratic head in the Judiciary Committee. I worked very closely with him on, on the um, medical marijuana bill. He was a very cogent, real great guy and worked very hard for that. John Ritchie, Democrat. John F. Kennedy. Uh, he brought our country together. He was someone who was not divisive. He was a lot more Republican than today's Democrats. Uh, John F. Kennedy was a good man. Bryce Arndt? I'd have to say Harry Truman. Harry Truman had to make very, very difficult decisions, and as we all know, he had very little preparation, came from, from uh, bootstrap starts, and uh, was to amazing heights. He left that office, and... Uh... Gentlemen went real quickly. Uh, I want to make sure that each of you have 60 seconds to make a closing statement, and we, this is one of the few portions of the program where we do have a time. Uh, Mike Regan, you're first with making a closing statement. Okay, first of all, Scott, thanks so much for having us on. I mean, I think you see the differences between us. I mean, we agree on many issues, but there are a couple of stark um, disagreements. Like, number one, I mean, it's frustrating to me to have had to fight for so long for so many reforms that are being blocked by the uh, private and public sector unions, um, which are endorsing my my opponent. Um, But I think the, the important thing for me to share with you is I have a servant's heart. Um, my wife, Fran, and I and our four kids live in Carroll Township. We love Pennsylvania. We love this community. Uh, I've loved serving it for my entire life. I want to continue serving. 
uh, I'd be so honored if um, the folks in your listening audience would consider me uh, when they go to vote for Senate. I will work extremely hard. I think I've demonstrated that over my entire life, and I would be so humbled. Thank you so much. John Ritchie, 60 seconds. I'm, you want to talk frustration. I am frustrated by hearing about how I am in lockstep and bankrolled by public sector unions when I have the support of one. And Mike Regan, who is one? accusing me, says I have the support of three. Let him make his closing statement. AFL-CIO is more private than public, and they're supporting me because I am a member. I was elected a member of the NFLPA by my teammates in Oakland. They fall under the AFL-CIO umbrella. That's why they support me. You are supported by three public sector unions, Mike, all of whom opposed pension reform. You talk about Senate I Bill have a One. Record, John. You, hey, you passed the buck. I have a voting record. He's he's directing. He's he's uh, he's. I understand, but I have closing. It's like a court case. It's a closing order. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Scott. You talk about <laughs> pension <laughs> reform not getting done. Senate Bill One was passed by the Senate. It came to the House and was passed. And you removed yourselves from responsibility. You said we'll reform everyone else's pension, but we'll take ourselves out of the equation. No, that's not true. Okay, it is true, John. Mike. I have to cut you off because okay. only sixty seconds. Price aren't. Uh, all Republicans, first of all, I want to thank WITF, Scott, as well as the viewers for listening. And um, all Republicans, I hear about how they want Obamacare reform, they want Obamacare repeal, they want greater senior care, they want access to care. Uh, myself being the only health care provider in the entire legislature, uh, doctor, I think it's very, very vital that we make sure that we continue to have a voice of health care coming from the legislature and not coming from lobbyist groups that would dictate Pennsylvania health care policy. Mm-hmm. Scott Harper, 60 seconds. Thank you, Scott. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to shrink government. I want to shrink your tax liability, and I want to increase your rights and, li- and uh, liberties in Pennsylvania. I want this to be a better place for people to live, reside, and retire. Uh, we're, our population's bleeding. It really is. People are heading out of state for many reasons. Students aren't residing here after they get their education. They're, they're up and leaving for bigger and better things. We need to make Pennsylvania more attractive by bringing down the taxes, in improving the education in Pennsylvania, and just making everybody's life a little better. Gentlemen, I want to thank all four of you for being with us today. And just to provide a little more background uh, to our audience, that uh, the 31st District, you are the four Republican candidates. There is not a Democratic uh, candidate in the race right now. So it appears as though whoever wins the primary on April 26th will be uh, the next senator in the 31st District. So I want the voters to uh, know that. They're probably already aware of that, but wanted to let them know that. Uh, Bryce Arndt, Scott Harper, Mike Reagan, John. Richie, thank you, gentlemen, for being with us today. I wish we had a lot more time. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program. Uh, oh, before we do that, I, I want to mention that uh, we do have another debate scheduled next Monday, the 13th State Senate District. Uh, the Republican candidates, there's three Republican candidates running. That's a district that is in Lancaster County. So uh, we will uh, be 
having one more debate before the April 26th primary. We'll also be talking with the Democratic candidates for the U.S. Senate. WITF's election 2016 coverage is supported by the Harrisburg Law Office of Saul Ewing, LLP. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, there's a big merger going on here in uh, central Pennsylvania, Pinnacle Health and Penn State Health. Uh, So we'll be talking about that uh, coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, so be sure to tune in. I'm Scott Lamar. Have yourself a good day.